0: head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now hey what is going on everybody and welcome back to the college info geek podcast the internet's best resource for students looking to get ahead but a terrible resource for learning how to become the world's best beat saber player and you're never gonna be it because i'm gonna be it yeah yes gauntlet thrown down for the entire internet i'm gonna beat it tonight you don't even have a Vive, I'm gonna, nor do you have a computer that I can actually, even run that I actually game. didn't even know what it was, that Oh, you were okay. refer- but I'm going to win. Beat Saber is Tonight. basically, it's a VR game that is essentially DDR, but instead of hitting arrows with your feet, you have two lightsabers and you slash blocks. Oh, that sounds direction. awesome. It's really fun. Wait, you haven't played it yet. No. Oh, dude. Okay, well, you're going on vacation, I, I guess. You're leaving me forever. It was an accident. Um, but whenever you come back, let's play it. Okay, that's a lie. It was clearly not an accident. I'm not accidentally driving to Utah. That'd be yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's on purpose. Whoops. That's on purpose. Anyway, my name is Thomas Frank. I'm here, as always, <coughs> with my good friend Martin Bamey, and uh, we have I have tea today.
1: That's true. It's been a bit. It's been a
0: bit I, since i I don't have tea. tea today because no, you're I, was, that I was already train.
1: drinking this. Well, it's like sparkling water's got calcium in there. I'm drinking
0: a little sparkling mm. water vitamin. That, that's fair. So. Calcium's good to have. I wonder if there's any calcium in my teeth. I doubt it.
1: I've been healing bone,
0: you know? That's true. I need them calcium vitamins. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wonder what's going to happen the first time you go on a plane and you have to go through the metal detector. They tell me that it shouldn't set it off, but they have not
1: explained to me why. So I don't know if it's a size or if it's a type of metal,
0: because I don't, I don't know what type of metal. It may be sizes. I'm not sure. My belt buckle does not set off the one I go through. Um, if I wear my, my Iron Ranger boots, it does. And I have to take them off. But if I wear my fashion boots, which I think still have like slightly metal little mm-hmm. eyelets for the laces, that doesn't set it yeah, off. I don't, I don't
1: know. I'll find out when I get tackled to the ground and they re-break the finger. Yeah. Looking
0: forward to that. Yep. Just kidding. Uh, before we ramble on too much. As you may have noticed from the words you probably clicked to either download or watch this episode, we're going to be talking about how to get out of debt in this episode. And I do want to preface up front before our chit chat here that uh, we're not going to get too much into the specific programs offered in the United States of America for things like debt forgiveness or um, consolidation, things like that. We have talked about that in past episodes and I will have those linked up in the show notes. We've talked about that on List of Money Matters in the past, and we have an international audience here. So what I wanna talk about is the broader view of just like how to pay off debt quickly, regardless of what kind of debt it is. You know, we may end up going into some specifics about student debt, but this is not an episode that is only about student debt. This is an episode about how do you get out of debt, whether it's credit card debt, or whether it's car debt, or whatever it is. Yeah, so... Just to put that out there for anybody wondering what exactly this episode is going to entail, it's going to entail that. And it's not going to entail us singing the DuckTales theme song for an hour long straight. Though we could do that. We could pivot. You may have just replaced the VeggieTales song that was in my head before that. shoved it
1: out. There it is.
0: Yeah. For listener context, we're talking about how when you have a song stuck in your head, you have to push it out with another song. Yeah. You know, such as our editor's favorite song of the world, "Fruit Salad Yummy Yummy." Oh, that's a great song. <laughs> Anna's gonna be very annoyed with me when she's editing this episode. I'm gonna be happy though. <laughs> I'm gonna be very happy, though. I'm in the moment. I'm probably gonna laugh, but I'm probably gonna be doing work, and then she's gonna yell at me from the other room, and I'm gonna be in trouble. It's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's a problem for future Thomas to deal with. Uh, so we have a big announcement. This announcement is, uh, as almost all podcast announcements are, late yeah. because we are recording this the day it happened. But of course, this episode is coming out in, I think, two weeks or one and a half weeks or something like that. But uh, and this has been a long time coming. We have a brand new look, feel, theme, whatever you want to call it for the College Info Geek website. And my hat goes off, even though my hair looks terrible under here, to you, sir, because... It's been quite the project for you. Oh, it has. I think I finished designing it back in May. It's
1: taken. It's taken a while, and then, and obviously, I lost a lot of momentum when I couldn't type for a second. True, breaking
0: your finger does that make was, you that a really, slightly slower. Cutter. It really
1: threw things off there. I had, I had actually, I had to learn how to type, skipping one finger. Dang! And I got pretty good at it after a while, but it, it took some time.
0: It's like that that battle mode in Guitar Hero, where there's like the power up that just disables one of your opponent's buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Hated that power up.
1: Well, in real life, you just break uh, their finger.
0: Yeah. You've I disabled guess so. one of their buttons. Um Yeah, you know, I did not mean to do that or be part of the the adventure that caused that. But I digress. Uh College is now well, I, I think the biggest thing is it's now much, much, much faster. It is definitely faster. It's so fast. Uh I was browsing around on it in my phone this morning and I was like, this feels like an app it doesn't feel like a mobile website anymore. So I think that's the coolest thing is it just, it feels different. Yeah, It's a lot simpler. Uh, it looks a lot cleaner on desktop. There's no sidebar. There's no weird boxes that overlap each other. Definitely gone a simpler route with the design aspects. But I think that, you know, that works out in our favor because on mobile, it just, anything you can do on desktop, you can now do on mobile. There's no compromise that I can think of. Yeah, it's it works great. Yeah. In fact, uh, I would say the mobile site is possibly more full-featured. Because of the little slidey thing? Because the slidey thing and because... So we built this uh, table of contents plugin, right? Oh, yeah. So anytime you go to an article, all of the subheadings are going to be clickable from this table of contents drawer you can open at the top. And you can do that on desktop and you can do that on mobile. But on a mobile, when you're scrolling, there's also this like sticky header where you can open up the table of contents. And we didn't put it on desktop because we felt that it was super easy to scroll up super quick on desktop. Like, yeah, I think you can even just hit home on your keyboard to go to the top of the page. But on mobile, that's not an issue or not not a thing you can do. So we, uh, we added in that. And there's a bottom menu and there's all kinds of cool stuff. So if there ever was a time for you to go check out the show notes, then this may be the episode to do it. Just so you can see all of Martin's handiwork um, and I guess some of mine too, I did design it, but I think designing it was a little bit easier than coding it.
1: Oh, uh, every time I tried to code a new little thing, I was like, okay, this is an interesting feature. And then like I'd run into a hundred problems while doing <laughs> and then a it. a bug. Yeah. <laughs> Under every rock that I overturned were several more rocks yeah. that all needed overturned. It was a thorough
0: process. Andrew kept asking me why the site was taking so long to launch. And I was just okay. like, there's eight years of content on there. <laughs> like, There's so many bugs. Yeah. because because I didn't want to break a bunch of
1: stuff. Yeah. I mean, we could have launched it. We could have just broken stuff and slowly
0: upgraded it, but. And I think you could have brute forced certain things, but from what I've gathered, because I basically have, I haven't forgotten how to code at this point, but my coding knowledge is stuck five years ago in <clears> the past. <throat> so I don't even know what rems are. Uh, but from what I've gathered, it seems like you've built it so it's very adaptable to future changes. Yeah. Rather yeah, than just I, having I like built it every so that- page kind be- of slapped. Together. It was so hard
1: to upgrade the last version. Yeah. Anytime we wanted to add something, I was like, oh God, I have to dig through that again. Yep. But now it's it's like scalable. The, upgrading this site will be easy. Which is good because you know how I get weird ideas. Also, I made a, a <laughs> lot of it variable stuff that you can change in the back end rather than having everybody yeah. ask me to make small changes to stuff.
0: Yeah. So a lot of work for now, Martin, but less work for yeah. future Martin. Yeah. And that will be useful. So yeah, um, what episode is this? You know what? I didn't pull Notion up. I don't even know. So I need to figure out that number if I'm going to be able to give people the show notes. You know, I should probably think of these things might be 2.30 before I bring it up. It's 2.38. Yeah. 2.38. We're really getting up there in episodes. Yep. So if you want to see the new site, obviously collegeinfogeek.com will take you right to it. You can see the homepage, but you can always uh, go to the show notes, which for this episode you will find at CIGpodcast.com dot com slash 238 or by going to the description link below if you're watching this on youtube or Facebook watch and uh, i think the show notes are going to be useful for this episode anyway because we'll have links to some past episodes we've done both here and on list of money matters if you want to get even more into the specifics of debt and i I also know that i have an article about how I paid off my debt specifically we may get into that here um but you can also read it on the site so without further ado let's dig into the topic of how to get out of debt as quickly as possible. And I think I want to just jump right into a discussion of the two main methods for paying off debt that are kind of thrown about on the internet. We'll have lots of other things to talk about, but there's a method of paying off debt called the stack method. And there's a method of paying off debt called the snowball method. And these are two very different things. Um, But you'll hear a lot of financial gurus kind of recommending both, even though they are sort of diametrically opposed. So I want to have a little bit of an in-depth discussion of what each of them are and then which one you should use depending on certain factors. Uh, And so I don't talk for the entirety of this episode because I did host a personal finance podcast for three and a half years. There's a danger of that. I want to put the question to you, sir. Do you know what these methods are? Oh, I do. Oh, okay, cool. I do. So uh, yeah, so explain the those, difference between the stack and the snowball method.
1: So like the I'm snowball fine. method is um, you take you take your various debts and then you start with the smallest one. Mm-hmm. That's the one you start small. Smallest balance. Yeah, the smallest balance. So if I have uh, three loans, one's 2,000, one's 5,000, one's 10,000, first I pay off the $2,000 loan mm-hmm. because it feels good to get rid of loans and, yes. and it simplify, it feels simpler because now there are fewer payments to keep track of. And then anything that I was paying toward that $2,000 loan, once I've paid it off, I dump it right into the $5,000 loan. And once that's done, I dump all that money into the $10,000 loan. Mm-hmm. So it goes from smallest balance to largest balance. And you, you don't care what the interest is on yeah. any of them. So it may not be mathematically the smartest, but um, it's emotionally beneficial to get the debt off of your shoulders and feel like you're making progress. Yeah. Whereas the stacking one is similar in that you continue to dump what money you were paying on one onto the next one. But instead of the smallest balance, you start with the highest interest rate. Yep. Because mathematically, this saves you the most money.
0: Exactly. Yeah. If you pay off the 10% interest rate and then the 8% and then the 5 mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you could even view it as as not, you know, loan by loan by loan, but dollar by dollar. And like, yeah. you have like a, a sea of dollars and every single one of them, while it exists as a, as a debt on you, um, it has an interest rate attached to it. And, you know, every single month or every single year that it exists as debt for you, it is accruing more debt for you. So you want to kind of weed out those ones with the biggest interest rate first. Yeah. That's the idea behind the That's stacking. a good way
1: to view the stacking method mm-hmm. because it's not it's not really about the separate
0: loans. Yeah. It's about yeah. this is a more expensive dollar. Yep. Anything that is charging me higher interest, get rid of that first. Yeah. So when we say you're going to take all the money that you were you were paying that lower loan or that high interest loan once it's done and then and then add that to what you were paying on the other loans, um, I think a good clarifying point is is to say that you are not only paying off the smallest loan in the snowball method or the highest interest loan. Oh, yeah. Because you're making the minimum payments on all of your loans all the time. Like, you have to do that. Otherwise, you go into default. And that's not going to help. And the bookies show up at your house and they take your dog. And then your name is John Wick. And you could trade your kneecaps to get out of debt. I guess that's a way could. to do it. Actually, usually you, you can. You probably still won't get out. Actually. Usually they take your kneecaps and they still want you to pay the debt. Aw. So you could trade. I don't know something more, I don't, such as like your life and your family's life and everyone you ever knew. Maybe that's cheap. <laughs> that's cheap. Yeah, that's a good deal. I've seen Limitless. I don't want to go down that route. Also, I I always thought that that was the dumbest decision he made in that movie. Did you ever see Limitless? Yeah,
1: I don't remember this part though. Like I rem- he he I remember starts the...
0: taking these super smart pills and. Oh wait! He yeah, starts, he cleans his apartment. He finishes his book, and then he starts investing, and he's making ridiculous uh, returns. And he gets, I guess, hubris or impatient, so he goes and takes out a gigantic loan from dumb. like some mob bookie. And Terrible the mob bookie's idea. like, "If I give you this money and you don't pay it back, we're going to brutally kill you." And he's like, "Okay, dumb." <laughs> and he pays it back, but now he's now he's like a target of interest for them, of course. I don't, I don't just, want them to know my name. You yeah. Know, you, I mean it all works out for him, but I don't know. I feel like if I were to, if I were to take a pill that made me a super genius, my super genius brain might have a little thought bubble up to the surface along the lines of maybe don't ever make myself a target of interest for criminals in any capacity, any shape or form. That's you a solid know, idea. Just seems like a good life hack. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm aware of the fact that at any time when I'm out in public, like anybody physically could punch me in the face, but they have no reason to. Why give them a reason to, you know?
1: It's Anywho. good life advice.
0: Anywho, so you're paying your minimum payments. That's, that's the life lesson from that whole tangent. And it could be, I don't know, 25 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, whatever it is. So you're taking whatever you want to allocate towards debt payment in your budget every month minus the minimum payments and you're throwing it either towards the lowest uh, lowest balance loan in the snowball method or the highest interest loan in the uh, stack method. So really, the difference between these two methods in terms of which one you should use comes down to how emotionally affected by your debt are you. Um, And I've asked this on Twitter before because when Andrew and I hosted Listen Money Matters for many years, we basically made fun of the snowball method and we're just sitting here in our our chairs of logic and we're like, "Why why would you pick anything that isn't the stack method? Pick the mathematically best method and be done with it. But I have actually asked on Twitter, like, does anybody use the snowball method who knows about the stack method and Like, why do you use it? And people have said, it's because I I do actually get value emotionally from seeing those loans be cut down. For me, it was always different. For me, it was just watching the total balance of everything put together go down. Hmm. And I had a spreadsheet for this, but I can understand how some people may actually want to know that, oh, I've actually like beaten a boss, basically. Yeah. Beaten the first boss of the game, he's dead. Now I can move on to the next one. I get it. Uh, and I'm also aware of the fact that, yeah, you want to pay off your debt quickly, but paying off debt as fast as possible is, is a goal that can be lumped in the same camp as retire as early as possible or he who dies with the most toys wins. It's like a, a maximizing or minimizing goal. And I've just come to the conclusion, uh, conclusion that maximizing or minimizing numbers externally in your life doesn't actually make you happy. Like certainly working to pay off your debt faster will make you happier, but finding the ultimate fastest way possible, I don't think is gonna make you that much happier
1: in the long run. Yeah. Well, you I know? mean, of the two, I prefer the snowball method. You do? Yeah. Okay. Because so the, that's interesting. the emotional benefit of the motivation of making progress, Yeah. I think that being more mentally healthy due to making the progress and not being feeling so overwhelmed is going to make me more money
0: Mm, that's a really good point you know
1: and the amount of interest like honestly compared to the amount of money i borrow obviously it's a small it's not a big percentage and like yeah i don't care as much about that interest because i think that with the proper mental health and motivation and work i can make far more than that interest will cost me yeah if i stay you know like motivated and happy yep that's a really good point. It's like, it's a, it's a mental investment in myself in the same mm-hmm. way that if I buy a new computer, it may cost me more right now. Yeah. But if I use it right, like obviously my MacBook that I bought like so many years ago has clearly paid itself off many times over. Yeah. But it was expensive at the time. So mathematically it was like, maybe I shouldn't go with this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. It It's a little interesting to me that You being as logical and rational as you are would pick the snowball method, but I think that's just further validation for how important the emotional impact of debt can be. I put
1: a lot of value in self investment, yeah. Well, and I totally agree, and like feeling overwhelmed is no good,
0: yeah. Like, I use the stack method, but my brain was able to sort of just lump everything together and then derive emotional pleasure from the uh. Just looking at the line go down overall. Oh, also like I had a Google uh, spreadsheet with a chart, and I would just look at the graph uh, line go down every month. And be I didn't like yes. make a chart. I don't always have a chart, charts.
1: but also it simplifies things. So I also like the idea
0: that I would have one fewer payment to keep track That's of. That's true. It does simplify or simplify things for sure. So yeah, um, I want to go down that line of discussion that you brought up about mental investments helping you pay things off earlier. So, and I want to tell a story that um, that happened to me when I went to church as a kid. So, when I was actually, this was probably when I was a teenager. But growing up, I was in Baptist churches pretty much my whole life, and I'll be honest, I don't remember a whole lot of what was said on the pulpit, but I do remember this vividly. There was a, I guess like a visual demonstration the pastor gave, where he had the assistant pastor come up on the stage and they both had a block of wood and their task was to screw five screws into the block of wood each. So the assistant pastor had a screwdriver and he basically started immediately. Started screwing things in. uh, All the while the pastor takes out like the plastic case with a drill in it, has to open it, has to plug in an extension cord somewhere off stage. Then has to plug his drill into the extension cord, has to put a drill bit in. And by the time he had done that, there were probably already, I don't know, one and a half or two screws in the assistant pastor's wooden block. So he was ahead. But of course, in about 30 seconds, the pastor had totally gotten all five screws in there. Yeah. So, and I guess the lesson that they were trying to teach is that if you take some time to say, sharpen the ax, like I think Abraham Lincoln once said, you know, if I've given an hour to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first 45 minutes sharpening the ax. Yeah, or I think I've
1: heard something like that. I'm I'm butchering the quote, but I'll ask him.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll ask him. We'll dig him up. We'll use a Necronomicon. It'll be fine. No consequences. I've seen Halloween movies. Usually when you wake up a dead body with a Necronomicon, it goes back to sleep once you've asked your question because dead bodies are there to serve only your whimsical interests. So the lesson here is if you take some time to invest in your tools or to invest in yourself, then your progress, be it in the paying off of your debt or your career success or how much money you make or whatever it is, can become an exponential graph rather than a linear one. You know, that assistant pastor can only turn that screwdriver at a certain rate and it's pretty low and he's gonna tire over time. So it's actually not even a linear graph. It's kind of like a slowly sloping graph over time. Whereas if you take some time to plug in that power drill you're making no progress whatsoever on the actual screwing in of screws for, I don't know, a minute or two. But then, I guess in this case, it's probably not a, it's probably not an exponential curve graph, but it's just a much sharper linear takeoff. And it's going to pass the progress of the person who didn't make any investment in their tools pretty quickly. And when it comes to your debt, I think this is important to keep in mind because If you don't keep it in mind, you may be led towards picking the purely mathematical best option, like the stack method, without ever consulting your emotions about it. And obviously for you, like you've realized, snowball's better for me. I make better decisions and I'm happier on the whole. Yeah. Uh, You may spend the time at which you're in debt happier. And that may mean you do better at work or you build better relationships or you lessen the chances that you ever slip into depression which could all make sure that your income stays high yeah, and gets higher. Um, and the other thing is, I think people who think only in terms of like, what is the absolute most amount of money I can put into my debt every single month, they never make any financial investments in their in themselves. Themselves, that was bad grammar.
1: That's fair, I'm not a prescriptivist mm-hmm. man. I and he,
0: <laughs> he and me. <laughs> huh. I watched Scott Pilgrim the other day, <laughs> that stuck in my head. So, you know, let's say I, I graduate college and this is not my story because I finished paying off my debt before I graduated and we'll get to that. But let's say I've graduated college, I get my first entry level job and whatever I'm getting in my paycheck, you know, I buy the crappiest apartment I can get, which is actually kind of a good tip, like live like a college student as long as you can after college is a very good tip. But let's say I never, I never invest in like a tech certification to make myself more qualified or I never invest in better tools. I just do my job, I do exactly what is expected of me at the same level of capability, or maybe you know steadily rising just through the practice of doing that job, I take my paycheck and I try to pay my debt off. That's valid, and lots of people do that, and that's fine. And I'm gonna pay off my debt at some point in the future. Yeah. But on the other hand, what if I pay off my debt at a, at a slower rate at first, because I'm diverting some of those funds towards taking advanced level coding classes? Um, you know, at night, or I spend some of that money on a book on like Network Plus or CCNA certification. And then I spend the 350 bucks that it takes to take that test. I get my CCNA. And then a year down the line, I get a big um, promotion to a more technically complicated, more rewarding and higher paying job at my company. And then like, okay, $10,000 raise comes with that now I can start diverting way more money towards my debt every month, you know? And if you just think about like, where's the crossing point of that graph? I think there's a lot to be said for making investments in yourself and your own ability to make money so that you can pay off your debt quicker in the long run, if not as quickly on a month-to-month basis right now.
1: Yeah, so if you're still concerned about the mathematical stuff, Mm -hmm. the question for snowball versus stacking is, do you think that this will be a, enough of an investment in your mental health and happiness that it will pay off. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's two questions, Like, does right? it does it affect you? It's two questions. Is, is it, do you pick Snowball or do you pick Stack? And whatever one you pick, it's also, do you divert almost all discretionary income towards debt? Or do you divert some of it towards debt and some of it towards investing? Whether it be investing in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, And that's not really an income generator, but there's a spread there that we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, Or do you make investments in yourself, in your technical capabilities and knowledge and tool set and all those kinds of things, conferences, networking? You know, there are many investments you can make in yourself that you may tend to forego if you're just dog-headedly trying to pay off that debt as quickly as possible. And this is something that I see people in the FIRE community doing as well. Do you know what FIRE is? Uh,
1: something about financial independence. Yeah, is it retire early? Is yeah, that the other letters. Financial
0: independence, retire early. So it's people who they want to quote unquote retire as quickly as possible. And I don't want to you know oversimplify and misrepresent this community because there are people with totally different goals. Uh, some of them want to you know retire in the sense that they work part time instead of full time for the rest of their lives. Some people literally want to retire by their by the time they're 35 and lay on a beach forever, which I think is crazy. I have to work. I would never be satisfied if I wasn't working on something and I will work on something until I die. But part of that community's mindset I think is this, like, this single-minded pursuit of a number. And that number is usually built upon something called the 4% rule. So 4% rule for people who don't know is this idea that if you can build up a a nest egg that is invested in the stock market, you know, in like an index fund, that's making say 7% on average per year, then let's say we wanna be conservative. If it it historically makes 7% on average per year, let's be really conservative and say it's gonna make five guaranteed. And if it's gonna make five guaranteed, that means I could take 4% of it every single year for my expenses, and it would never stop growing because it would at least grow by 1% per year. Uh, So basically people take that rule and they figure out what they would need to live every year for their personal expenses, and then they just reverse the math to figure out what the nest egg is. So if I'm like, all right, I could live on $36,000 a year, which is like 3K a month. In that case, I need about $900,000 in some sort of investment fund because I, I think 36,000 is 4% of 900,000. I'm pretty sure because that's the goal I had on my possible list. I haven't actually okay. done that calculation for this podcast prep. If you want to do it and call me out on being wrong, you can. Um, but I did that. So, and I, I, I counted myself as part of this FIRE community for a while. And I think this was when I, when I was 23 or 24. Um, I even went on Fox News to talk about it like their business channel. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna retire before I'm 40. And I have this whole spreadsheet mapped out. And if I wanna make $900,000, you know, by the time I'm 40, and I think I had actually calculated inflation for it. But if I wanna make whatever that amount of money is by the time I'm 40, that means I need to invest X number of dollars per month, every month until I'm 40. And I think it was $2,000 or something like that. Some number around there. And that was kind of where I stopped thinking. $2,000 or $2,500 per month for the next, I don't know, 17 years and then I can retire, quote unquote. But over the course of the next few years, I started to realize if I make investments in myself and my business now, then I may end up in a situation five years down the road where I could invest $5,000 a month and you know, when I'm 30, I don't have the time benefits that uh, that really help compound interest out that I have when I'm 25. But I can offset that by having the ability to put in more money every month. So that's kind of what I've done. Like I don't put in $2,000 a month into my stock fun- funds. Yeah. I invest that money in this business.
1: Yeah, and, and like if, if you couldn't think of anything better to invest it in, then sure, it could go there. Right. But if you see potential for growth, it's it's worth chasing.
0: Yeah, and so nobody should take this story as a justification for just not investing. Like if you're just like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense, Tom. I'm going to slash my investment budget in half every month and then I'm going to take that $500 and spend it on Transformers figurines and Nintendo dogs. They're going (laughs) to flip those on
1: eBay in 20 years? That's true.
0: You could flip your Nintendo dogs
1: but that's a, that's a pretty
0: poor <laughs> poor investment. That's poor investment strategy. But if you see something more worthwhile, like your personal investment or like a business idea you have, why not go for that? The other thing is, do I really, and I get the argument for, for investing and sacrificing and the blood, sweat, and tears and everything, but do I really wanna spend the next 17 years of my life sacrificing my time, sacrificing my discretionary income, all in the pursuit of this lofty ideal of retiring at 40 do i really want to do that like these are the healthiest years of my life i could do a lot with them i'm not i don't like why live like a hermit crab now so i could basically like not not participate in the human experience as i feel it should be carried out when i'm 40
1: yeah well you're going to you're going to miss out on so much for the time being, if you're just sacrificing everything in name of the number. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be worth it.
0: Yeah. So I guess the whole, the whole point of that, the whole moral of that story is be thinking about the investments you could make in yourself rather than thinking, you know, the only option I have is to put as much money as possible yeah. into the debt. And I'm not saying that's not the, the way to go. Like if right now, your job is really difficult and it's taken up a lot of your time. And like, that's kind of like the thing you're doing in life right now. And you could find a cheap apartment with friends and that's sort of the setup. And you've got discretionary income at the end of the month. Like, sure, dump that into the debt. But keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, it's just, if you
1: see an opportunity for good growth, even if it's something as simple as, I have low energy after work every day because I don't eat healthily and yeah. it keeps me from working on projects. Now, let me just spend another hundred dollars on food every month. Mm-hmm. And now I feel better. And that's an investment too. But if you sacrifice everything, just, just for the number, you don't bother investing in yourself. You know, what's going to happen is that like you're, the day you're like, I've got the money, you're going to get hit by a car. And <laughs> bam. Good, good job investing in all those years you thought you had.
0: Yay! Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah, you think so, you're invincible, like, and then something you, stupid happens like that.
1: Yeah, you get, I think that to some degree you should try to enjoy the present. You can still invest more than you need to. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's fine, but save some so that you don't like hate everything at the end of the day. Otherwise, yeah, one unlucky turn will make your whole life an ironic parable.
0: Yeah. This episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant, who for the past few years have been building an education platform for the 21st century that is focused on active problem solving and on developing this universal ability for people to creatively solve new and innovative and interesting problems. And this is very, very important. In the past, problem solving was important as well, but as we get into the future with more automation, more automated processes, cerebral, creative, innovative thinking is what's going to be most important for uh, meeting your career goals and progressing into the future. So when you go on Brilliant, you're going to be immediately thrown into challenging problems regardless of what course you decide to take. And they have courses in math, they have courses in science, and they have courses in computer science. And just to give you a few examples, in the math side, they've got calculus courses, they have algebra courses, they have stuff that's even more basic than that, and then they get very advanced with courses on things like math for quantitative trading and finance. On the science side, they have courses on gravitational physics and classical mechanics, and many other topics, computational biology, which is something that I had never even heard of before, before I started promoting Brilliant. And then on the computer science side, they've got basic algorithms courses, and they also have courses on computer memory and lots of other really cool stuff. And like I said, when you start taking one of their courses, instead of sitting through a boring lecture, being talked to, having material just basically be thrown at you for passive consumption, you are immediately thrown into a problem that will likely stump you. I remember when I started taking their computer science algorithms course, uh, very early on I found myself stumped to the point where I had to spend a couple of hours off elsewhere in their wiki, learning how a specific sorting algorithm worked so I could solve those problems. And that type of course design has two main benefits. Number one, it keeps you more interested than a passive learning experience because you have something to sink your teeth into right away. But number two, and alluding to what I talked about in the intro for this ad, it helps you become a better problem solver no matter what kind of problem you're tackling because the skill of problem solving is something that becomes applicable in any situation, regardless of where you practice it. Also within Brilliant, you're gonna find an awesome wiki that has all kinds of detailed explanations with example problems for many of the concepts they cover in their courses. So when you do get stuck, because you are gonna get stuck sometimes, you can go right up to their wiki and do the learning required to solve those problems. And there's also a great community where thousands of learners are asking each other questions, challenging each other, and giving each other support. So it is a great place to meet other learners, improve your problem-solving skills, and start learning more about math and science and computer science. And you can start learning for free today and get 20% off your annual premium subscription. If you are one of the first 83 people to go over to brilliant.org slash college geek. Once again, brilliant.org slash college info geek. If you wanna get 20% off that annual premium subscription, be one of the first 83 people to head over to that link and sign up. Big thanks to Brilliant for being a sponsor of this episode and a huge supporter of College Epo Geek. And I also have to give a big thanks to a new sponsor on our podcast, which is Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is the easiest and most convenient way to renew your existing contact lens prescription without having to go to the doctor's office to get that done. You can do it from wherever you are. And here's how it works. So first, you take a quick self-guided about five minute test, either from your computer or your phone, literally wherever you are. And within 24 hours, a licensed doctor is going to review the results of that exam and if your vision hasn't changed, they're going to renew your prescription and allow you to rebuy your preferred brand of lenses right from the Simple Contacts website or app. So you might be asking yourself, why do I wanna do this instead of doing it the way that I have always done it? And the main benefit here is that it saves you a lot of time. You no longer have to fragment your week by scheduling a doctor's appointment, getting to the doctor's office, sitting in the waiting room, going and talking to the doctor. Instead, whether you're on your couch or you're at school or you're on the bus commuting somewhere, you can get that test done. You can get those contacts reordered really, really quickly. Additionally, this is a very reliable service that was designed from the ground up by, and I had to learn how to pronounce this term, ophthalmologists and a licensed doctor again reviews every single test within 24 hours to make sure that your vision indeed has not changed. And best of all, this service saves you a lot of money because their vision test is only $20, which compared to going to a doctor's office could save you a ton of cash, since without insurance, a doctor's visit for this type of renewal could cost up to $200. Plus, the prices of their lenses are unbeatable, their standard shipping is free, and best of all, listeners of this show can also get $20 off their first lens purchase by going over to simplecontacts.com CIG, and I'll spell that out for you real quick, s-i-m-p-l-e-c-o-n-t. ACTS.com slash CIG or by entering the code CIG at checkout. Now, I do have to mention that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts only tests to see that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and then they help you renew that prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine eye health. So see your doctor about those things. But when it comes time to simply renew your existing prescription, save yourself a bunch of time and money by once again, going over to simplecontacts.com CIG or by entering the code CIG to get $20 off of your first lens purchase. Big thanks to Simple Contacts for being a sponsor of our show and supporting College Info Geek. And let's get back into it. Uh, oh, here's something ironic. Let's talk about um, whether or not you should want to pay off your debt as fast as possible. So, and I have some stats here for that. When I was finishing up college, senior year, my mind could think about almost nothing else. I wanna be debt-free, and I identify with this mindset still, I wanna be debt-free because I wanna graduate and have options. And I think this is something everyone needs to think about. If you have a lot of student loans, and especially the high school students listening to this who may be thinking about taking on student loans, if you graduate with a lot of student loans that may reduce your options for what you can do after graduation. It may mean you have to go for a higher paying job that doesn't fit your lifestyle rather than a lower paying job that may you know, give you better work-life balance or that may uh, make you feel like you're making a greater contribution to the world because you have $400 a month student loan payments you gotta carry out for the next 10 years. You know, So think about that. And that was a big thing for me. I wanted to graduate and I was like, if I want to travel to Japan again, I want to have that option. But if I have a bunch of student loan payments, like that may not be an option. I may have to find a job, I don't know. So it was like pay off the debt as soon as possible to give myself freedom, to give myself options. And that's been great. Uh, but you know what, for the last two, no, three years, I've had a car payment. Because I bought my my Nissan uh, back in 2015 and, I paid zero down and I just, I I negotiated the interest percentage down to basically nothing. Um, But I had a car payment. And then just this year, my mom's car was breaking down. So I gave her my old car and I bought a new car. And I also financed that. And there are people on the internet who's going to be like, oh my God, Thomas just lost all all his credibility because he didn't pay for his car in cash, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? That car payment does not represent a huge chunk of my discretionary income every month. Which means that as long as I'm doing everything right, I don't think about it. And I guess this is a crucial note I should make. I have enough money in the bank to pay that car off. If I lost all income right now and like the repo people were coming to my door, I could pay that car off at, the, like at this very moment. And that has always been the case. I could have taken money out of my stock savings or whatever and I could have paid the car off. But I felt that it would have been better to leave that nest egg there and to let it accrue a higher interest because there's a gap there. If it's making 7% interest and my car payment is 2%, why take a giant chunk out of that principal and have it stop making interest? I'm just gonna finance the car and pay the 2%, you know? And maybe it means I can put less in, but again, I'm not about maximizing the numbers perfectly. I'm about living a life that makes me happy. And because that car payment is small enough that it doesn't, stress me out, I'm okay with having that debt. I don't feel that it restricts my freedom very much. Uh, And I want to get to something that I remember reading in the book, Debt for You. So, and for people, so this book is a little old at this point, but there's still a lot of really good stuff in here. For people who live in the US and who do want to know all the nitty gritty details about how you can reduce debt as much as possible, I recommend the book, Debt for You by Zach Bissonette. It's one of my all time most highly recommended books for students, especially those going to school in the U.S. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here about how to minimize debt, the impact it may have, all kinds of stuff like why parents probably don't want to take out a parent plus loan or ever cosign. But there was this interesting um, study, and let me see if I can find it. I'm really afraid that the that the page now now turned on me. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> nope, it's right here. So it says, in 2002, Nellie May studied the impact of student loan debt and found that borrowers who require less than 7% of their gross monthly income, so that's before taxes, not your take-home pay, but exactly what you make salary-wise, to pay their education debt generally do not feel difficulty. The perception of difficulty is somewhat amplified among students between 7% and 11% of gross monthly income, and after that, it starts to become highly stressful and difficult. So... And he does, he says, keep in mind here, Nellie Mae is part of Sally Mae. It's a publicly traded for-profit corp company that gives out student loans. So always take these kinds of studies with a grain of salt. But whether or not the numbers are perfectly accurate, uh, I think it illustrates the point that debt itself as a concept is not evil, you know? And we could go into Michael Graber's, or is it, is it Michael Graber? I think it is. Uh, his book, Debt, The First 5,000 Years, and talk about how like debt is the literal concept that holds society together, but- uh, my point here is just because you have debt doesn't mean like it's bad. Like debt itself is not evil. Too much debt, debt that limits your freedom, debt that keeps you trapped forever because of a high interest rate or a high enough payment that you're unable to do, you know, you're unable to meet your expenses, you're unable to move up in life, that's bad and that should be avoided or, or paid off as quickly as possible. But it doesn't mean that any debt is evil. And I think a lot of people love to take this stand. It looks very good. It looks like you're the 300 general on the hill holding the sword up, you know, facing the evil Persian empire. When you take a stand like, ah, dead is evil, because it makes it very easy for people to get behind you. You know, people love to rally behind a cause with an enemy. But if you owe like 20 bucks a month on something, how is that different than like your Spotify and Netflix subscription?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like my very smallest, because the student loans, you know, they're in several chunks. Yeah. The smallest one is only 40 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And while I'm, I'll just pay that one off first, but like, yeah. as long as that's not the reasonable thing to do, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Like that's not, it's not big enough to matter. Even if I, even if I just paid it off the whole time, 40 bucks a month for the, the yep. duration of the loan, it doesn't hurt yeah. me in those months.
0: No, I guess that there is, I, this is maybe irresponsible to say that last line so let me Yeah, well yeah, mathematically, it. let me clarify it. The difference between your Netflix and Spotify subscription and your 20 bucks per month debt is that if you lost your job tomorrow, you could cancel Netflix and you could cancel yeah, Spotify. Yeah. You can't always cancel that debt. So if you are going to be taking on debt, you need to consider that. What do I do if I can't pay it off? And you know, you need to do the research. Yeah, what if you what like, if you break your finger, you know, exactly. they're like
1: pianists with like insurance on their hands and stuff mm-hmm. because they're like, if I hurt myself, my career's yep. my career's messed up.
0: And I mean, like you work with me. So when you broke your finger, I was like, obviously we're gonna figure out, you know, how to make that work. I'm, I'm not gonna be like, well, you're fired. But that wouldn't help to somebody, somebody else get working out. for a different kind of company who doesn't think about, you know, their employees as much, maybe in a different situation. So you have to be careful when you're taking on debt because you're cashing a check that your future self has to continually pay and you do not know what your future self is gonna be able to do. Um, Again, there's a middle path to be walked here because the the fearful extremist may say, well, I don't know if I'm gonna get hit by a bus tomorrow or not, so I should never ever enter into any sort of contract that gives myself an obligation in the future. You know, in that case, you should never have a girlfriend, you should never do anything because how do you know? But you know, on the other hand, there's the extremist that says, "Well, I, I'm just never going to think about what happens. Of course, I'll continue to make more money in the future. I've made more money for the past three years in a row. Why would that ever stop?" Yeah. And then you get the 2008 financial crisis where people are like, "Oh, I could pay this easy mortgage uh, yeah. rate. I'm going to buy this mansion." You know, in all things moderation. So consider, you know, what you would do if you happen to lose that income in the future. This is why when I take on debt now. Um, I never take on debt, at least for consumer reasons. I never take on debt that I couldn't like pay off instantly with savings. I take it on for convenience reasons, basically. Now, I never, I'm not going to say that in the future, I would never take on debt that I don't currently have the capital for because that's how businesses grow.
1: Yeah. And that's how, that's how like most people get houses and things like that. So yeah,
0: sometimes you're just like, all right, I think it is more likely than not that this will work out. So I'll take it on. And luckily we live in a society where they don't throw you in debtor's prison if, you, if it doesn't go well. You go into bankruptcy and that's obviously a, a bad thing. Your credit is affected for seven years or 10 years or however long it is, you know, but that's what society is for. We build safety nets. So when you take a risk, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen to turn out the way you think it did. Yeah. So just keep all that in mind. And, and when you're thinking about debt, you know, think rationally about the amount of debt you're taking on and what that looks like compared to the amount of money you're making. It's not, you know, as most things aren't, it's not this black or white binary, it's evil or it's good. No, the amount matters. 50% of your monthly income going to debt, that's bad. You should never ever let that happen.
1: Super high risk, miss one month and now that that's that's so much. Whereas like the $40, like if I don't see a lot of future months where I don't have forty dollars, and if I don't, then I have a much more serious
0: problem. Yeah, and if you're in the gutter and they're about to come break your kneecaps, I will give you the forty dollars. Yeah, it's like you know.
1: (laughs) But but clearly, I don't. I wouldn't feel that way about other loans with higher payments because it could fifty percent would kill you. Yeah, miss one month and now you're you're really messed up.
0: And that was a, a factor when getting my car. Like, I wanted a Tesla, but. I didn't wanna pay that monthly payment for a Tesla. I was like, that's not worth it. And also that I think represents a a number that is a percentage of my discretionary income I'm uncomfortable with. Even if I could pay it off and still have money at the end of the month, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with how high it is and how much would be left over. So I picked a different car. It you know, still goes vroom. It still goes vroom. And I'm kinda of glad I didn't get a Tesla anyway because uh, our apartment doesn't actually have electric car charging stations. Yeah, so. I'm always I worried it would about be like, very inconvenient. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I like renting cars from time to time where I did. And I'm always like, but what if I, how do electric cars work? What if I go somewhere that I can't find?
0: You got to plan it out. Like it's
1: not to the point where I can just completely not think about it mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. You got to
0: plan it out a lot. Uh, okay. So I want to talk about the thing we probably should have talked about all along, which is how to pay off your debt faster. Oh yeah. We've talked about stack and snowball. <laughs> These are important. And I think those, the concept of stack and snowball is the most important thing from this episode. Like you need to pick one based on how it's gonna affect your mental health. If you're like me, if you can build a graph for yourself or you can find a way to track it that keeps you emotionally fulfilled, go stack. No, that's a good idea because that could give you
1: some of the mental benefits. Yeah. If that's enough for you.
0: I mean, the way I did it was on my impossible list and it's still there. It's just at zero now. I put a graph it was a screenshot from a Google spreadsheet that I had maintained and every month I would make a payment and then I would go in and I would update my graph with my balances and it would show a line going down and then I would just put that on my impossible list. So it was like public for me and I was like, watch it go down guys. And that was great. I did not care about the individual loans because in my mind it was like individual loans do not matter. It's, it's when it's zero, all that matters to me. Um, and so I guess that leads into another recommendation, which we would be to find a way to track the progress of your debt payoff. I think tools like Mint and Personal Capital can do this for you. There used to be one called Ready for Zero that was specifically built for this purpose, but they shut down a couple of years ago. Um, but my recommendation is just roll your own, pull out a spreadsheet, go to that like insert graph option, and then just, just look at the graph. I don't know. There's something about having a visual reminder of your progress. That's nice. It's like analytics. Yeah. You know, I just like having it. Um, But also personal capital or mint, I think you can put in your loans and then they will show you the balance going down over time. Yeah. So just have a way to visually remind yourself of where you are. I've made so many like spreadsheets for random things for myself. (laughs) I love
1: making spreadsheets. That's gotta be one of like best technologies on a computer, the like it's
0: a very useful ironically,
1: thing. Excel is like just one of the greatest things that Microsoft ever did. Yeah,
0: I mean, dude, like a, a table with formulas. Like, there's it sounds so boring, much but it's like it. I've used it for everything. There are bored office workers all over the world who have made literal video games in Excel. It's that powerful. I think like people have recreated Legend of Zelda in Excel. Well, I'm gonna be looking that up <laughs> later because I didn't know about that. They've done some really cool stuff. I've never done anything that cool, but I do have and actually I would recommend people do this, and I have recommended it in the past, I have a whole spreadsheet that lists my income sources and all my personal expenses and my average investments. And then I have like a total column where it will show how much should be left over every month, given how much you're making, given how much you're spending on average. It's like my meta budgeting tool. I'm not tracking actual expenses like you do, but I'm at least going in every once in a while, seeing like, all right, here's what my expenses tend to be in each category, filling those into the spreadsheet and making sure like, we're good. And I've also got calculators for how much money is going to housing, how much money is going to investments in the percentage. Cause I think it's important to have maybe, I forget what the percentage is, but it's like, I don't want to be spending more than, I think it was like 20% of my income on housing. And I want to make sure I'm investing at least 15% investments, things like that. It's important to have. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about here is, well, actually before, Sorry, last thing on my, on my list here is something called the money pipeline. But before I talk about the money pipeline, let's talk about a few other things for decreasing your debt quickly. The most important one, I think, is uh, looking into not necessarily going for blindly, but looking into consolidation. So consolidation is essentially where you take on a new loan which pays off one or more of your existing loans. And the reason that you would do this is because the terms of the new loan should be more favorable. Typically, it's gonna be a lower interest rate or in certain circumstances, maybe it's a longer term of payoff, which means your monthly payment would be lower. That may mean that you end up paying more in the long term. Like if you end up paying more total because it's more, more periods for interest to rack up, but certain people find themselves in a situation where it's like the interest doesn't matter. It's how many dollars am I paying per month? Cause like I'm on a fixed income or I, I my boss won't give me a raise. I have not gotten my freelance wiener dog walking business off the ground yet. I'm making X number of dollars soon. And you know, the wiener dogs are coming, but for now my student loans or my credit card payment or whatever it is, it's too high. The rent is too high. So I need to get that payment down. So anyway, consolidation basically just gives you a new loan that should have favorable terms compared to what your current things are. If you have credit card debt, like a substantial amount of credit card debt, which I hope that no one listening to this ever has it because you should pay off your credit card in full every month and you should never use your credit card to buy anything that you could not buy with your debit card or cash immediately. But if you're in that situation, because no one's perfect, then you may want to look into consolidation because credit cards typically have an interest rate over 20%, which is insane and can very easily trap you in debt forever like that interest compounds. So say you've got $10,000 in credit card debt accruing interest at 20% per month and you're making a minimum payment of 50 bucks a month, you're never going to get out of debt. That is a trap. Yeah. You know? And you know people who are in traps like that. Yep. You just don't get out. Hey, they don't send you all those credit card offers because they want you to have money. Yeah, they want money. Uh so debt consolidation services and you need to do your research on the, you know, the terms and the reputations of these, obviously, we can't, you know, vouch for any one service out here. Um, but they can pay off a lot of that debt from your credit card. They can give you a new loan that maybe is at seven or eight percent. Now you're accruing a heck of a lot less interest every month. Yeah. You know, or maybe you accidentally bet on a dog race, and now the bookies want five hundred dollars a month from you. I don't think the consolidation service is actually going to consolidate your bookie debt, but, you know, just say you have like some big, huge monthly payment every month and you just, you need to get that down. It's possible a consolidation service could take that, give you a new loan. The balance is going to be the same, but now it's like a 10 year loan instead of a five year loan or something like that. You can look into that. But the main reason you would want to look into this is if you have super high interest debt that you want to consolidate down to lower interest debt. That's very useful. Get rid of those high interest rates as, as much as you possibly can. Um, and again, we have a lot of international listeners, so it's hard for me to recommend a ton of specific resources, though I know that here in the US at least, there are sites like SoFi um, and Credible, and these can both offer consolidation services. I know SoFi is pretty strict about how, who they accept, at least at the moment. They may be getting more lax over time as they grow, But when we talked to our CEO and LMM, it was like, you you basically need to be either like a doctor or a lawyer or a very high income, you know, graduate degree holder or something or on the way to being that. It's possible that they have expanded their offerings now. Uh, There's also sites like Lending Club, which are almost like crowdfunded lending. Oh, yeah. Where if I'm an investor, I can chip in 25 bucks, towards a pool that will eventually become a loan somebody else could take. And that loan may be you know, 8% interest for that person. So I'm making 8% interest on my 25 bucks. Pretty good, actually. Uh, and in exchange, that person is getting a loan they can use to pay off their 20% interest credit card debt. And now they only have to pay off an 8% interest loan. You know, a lot more favorable for them. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a really big thing. And I know we've done an episode on Listen Money Matters about paying off debt really quickly. So I'll link to that in case there's anything I'm forgetting from that episode, but the the consolidation and then the selection of the method that you're gonna use to pay is important. And then I think asking yourself, what can I do to increase my income now is the next biggest thing. Yeah. Like, can I get a certification? Can I take a class that would make me more um, qualified at my current job? Can I take on a second gig? or do something freelance to bring in more money, just to chip away more dollars. And then the last thing I wanna talk about here, and we've talked about this in the budgeting episode, but I wanna review it, is the money pipeline. So this is just a way that I like to visualize the flow of your income and where it should be allocated every single month. Um, because you know you, you take in your income every single month, you may not wanna like immediately throw it all to debt. So I think there's an order at which you should do this. And the order in my mind is you, you bring your money in, you're going to have certain fixed expenses like rent and your subscription to Crunchyroll, you know, non-negotiable well, that's, yeah, things. It's not an option. You N- just need man it. cannot live without Dragon Ball Super every week.
1: I love Dragon Ball
0: Super. Exactly. So you have up. your fixed expenses, things that are non-negotiables. You need to allocate money towards those. You need to allocate money towards your minimum payments on your debts. If you don't make these, the bookies come for you or your credit score gets really dinged or you go into default all sorts of bad things happen. Um, And I think that you need to allocate a certain amount for variable expenses, but also for like your own mental health. And maybe it's not much, but like just something. Like yeah. let yourself have a little bit of fun every month. Like if I told
1: myself I couldn't even buy an extra book if I wanted to read one, I think that would be an
0: obviously harmful way to save money. Yes, take care of the system. And you know what? I have a picture of the money pipeline and we have this incredibly fast website. So I'm just going to put budget into it. And wow, that was really, really fast. (laughs) Nice. Dang. That's good. I don't want it to break while we're recording. Yeah, exactly. That'd be sad. It would be very sad. All right, where's my money pipeline in this article? I'm pretty sure it's here. Yep. Here it is. So the way I drew it was expenses, debt minimums. Um, and I want to actually update this at some point because I have here checking account 2.5 to three times monthly expenses. This is something that we used to recommend on List of Money Matters. And I think I've even recommended here, like having a buffer of money in your checking account. But after talking to a lot of people who, you know, maybe just got out of college or are still in it, Having two and a half times your monthly expenses in your checking account is kind of difficult to get to, so I think you should have a, you should probably try to contribute a little bit to your checking account or to an emergency fund, just to build up that five hundred dollar like just something that yeah, is all your tires go out a pillow you can't drive to something work bad that happens then. yeah so fill out that emergency fund make sure that is there, and after that, like have a certain amount you're contributing to debt every single month. You know, and if you really, if you've decided that okay, beyond maybe some investments that will help me make more money in the in the near future, I want to kill that debt as quickly as possible. Then go for it. If your merge, if your emergency fund is filled, and if you have a slight buffer in your checking account, now just go ham at the debt. Just do whatever you can to kill it. Uh, and I guess that's like the the conclusion of the thesis of this episode: how to pay off your debt as quickly as possible. Yeah, But I also want to put that question out there. Do you actually want to pay off your debt as quickly as possible? Or do you want to start building some
1: investments up? Yeah, and I think investing in yourself is just such an important thing to do. And if you find those areas, because if you want to pay off your stuff quickly, you know, you got all the like, I'm going to cut out 17,000 coupons and I'm going to pay $3 for all mm-hmm. my groceries. There's a limit to how much money I can save. It's however much I need for my stuff. I can't yes. save more than that, but I can make much there. I- there are plenty of people out there showing me there's not a really low limit for how much money you can make. Yeah. You know, apparently you can make quite a lot. So if you focus on growth rather than what can you cut, I mean, cut unnecessary things. Sure. But that's an you need to stop focusing at some point on what you can cut and just look at growth. I've always focused on growth. It's it's so much you know? more potential. F- well, budgeting like and cutting stuff feels so natural. It feels like it does. I'm supposed to look at coupons and sales and things and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have the same potential for growth unless you already spend way too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I guess like one tip we can offer here and this this seems kind of obvious but you know, look at your expenses and ask yourself, are there cuts I could make? You know, and to go to the most cliche one, like could I make coffee at home instead of buying latte every morning? Yeah. But if a latte makes you super happy and it's not like making you late on your debt payments, I don't know. It, maybe it, You don't have to get rid of that latte. But again, if we're sticking to the thesis here, pay off debt as quickly as possible, you can make a darn good latte at home for way cheaper than Starbucks will charge you. So maybe ask how you can reduce your expenses in a way that doesn't reduce your overall happiness on an average day, but just simplifies your life a little more. Maybe there's some slight habit changes you can make that don't make you sad.
1: Yeah, and if you can't find anything to cut, then you don't need to feel discouraged because Mm -hmm. the growth mindset was the better one anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I wanna talk about this briefly. Uh, And I'm always worried that this mindset comes from a position of privilege, and it probably does, but I have always, always, always operated with the mindset that if I want something, I will make more money to afford it rather than I will cut expenses elsewhere.
1: Well, as long as it's reasonable, but you didn't didn't go with the Tesla though, because at some point that stops applying. Yeah. When it's
0: like this And you know what? eh." So I think the other thing was like, okay, I have found another car that ticks most of the boxes. And I'm very aware of the fact that when you- when you become enamored with a certain thing, your brain will do anything to justify getting it. It's like, oh, I'll be saving the planet, I'll be having the amazing like acceleration of a Tesla, but you know what, two months after I buy the car, will I care about the acceleration, you know? All these things. And there's probably gonna be better, more affordable electric cars on the market in a few years, or we're not even gonna have cars because there's gonna be like some amazing AI-driven car network that just knows when you wanna go somewhere and the car shows up and takes you there and then it goes and serves somebody else and it's out of your life for good. That's probably coming, you know? So I got my Kia instead for, for that reason, like kind of understanding like, you know what? Even if I could make some more money to get the Tesla, and I, I probably could have, you know, I probably could have like buckled down for a few weeks, made a course and sold it or go and went and like speak at some events or make more videos. But I decided like, that's not worth it to me. Here are the core features that are worth it to me. I'm willing to pay that monthly price. I'm not willing to pay the monthly price for the Tesla for the extra features. They're just not, they're not as worthwhile. But I have, for the most part, always thought in in terms of like, how do I make more money? You know, I don't want to sacrifice the lifestyle that I have that I've kind of built and become accustomed to maybe it would be worth it for me to sit down and sacrifice certain things in a deliberate fashion to improve my life in the future but I don't want to do it from a position of of you know needing more resources you know needing to free up resources that's just not what I want to do you know and again I I'm worried that this is an argument from a position of privilege
1: well yeah it's at you know? some point It's, it is difficult sometimes to just make more money and sometimes you will have to cut things, but focusing on what you can do to make more money, even if it it might be a really long-term thing, it may be, you need to invest in your health first. So you have to spend a little bit more on food, but you really still aren't going to make, you know, I'm I'm not going to get like an extra thousand dollars a month because I decided to eat healthy. That still may take time before you can make that money.
0: Yeah. But that, that, like, that's an investment in the system that I think is always worth it. But, you know, this is something that I struggle with for a long time. Like, I always felt guilty that I don't have some sort of like backstory of struggle. Well, you gotta but have one. You you gotta have like. And then you I get also gotta put my and mom into it, a, a. You sew it on your
1: sleeve, and yeah. then
0: Everybody thinks you're cool. Yeah, I guess. So I, I was thinking about this a lot in the car driving back from the airport yesterday. Like a lot of entrepreneurs or people that you see in the media, they have, I don't know, like a, like a backstory where they, they struggled and overcame some like very difficult odds. And now, you know start from the bottom, now we cent, hear. here. You know, 50 like, cent. You know, my upbringing wasn't perfect. Like my parents got divorced and things like that, but it was but you're not by and large cent. pretty, you know, yeah, I didn't get shot nine times in front of my grandma's house. That didn't happen. Uh, I went to a pretty darn good school and you know, I was afforded a lot of opportunities. And I guess like the only thing I can do with that, like feeling guilty about that will not help anybody. It will not help anybody. So the only thing I can do is not take it for granted and continue to work hard and use the resources that I have, use the opportunities that I've been given to work hard and give back to other people to help people become more capable. um, You know, and not to like gloat, but also to to be aware of the position that I'm in and like try to, because I'm in the business of giving advice, I guess, try to to look at the things that I'm going to potentially say from the perspective of somebody who maybe didn't come up the same way that I did. And I may not do it perfectly, um, but I still feel that no matter what position you're in, having the philosophy of wanting to grow instead of cut back as a default position is helpful.
1: Now, I think that that's... That's the the right mindset to have. The The thing that makes it seem inaccessible is if you start to view it as, oh, well, that means I'm just supposed to, I'll just buckle down and get whatever I want. Because sometimes yeah. you can't, there is a limit to how much you may be able to grow yes. short term. And you have, to, you have to take that in, into account. If you're in a really bad position right now, maybe it's years before you make enough money to just buy whatever video games you want and mm-hmm. do whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that you can't start slightly investing in something now. Yeah. Like, like again, health is probably the, the cheapest and easiest thing to start that is an investment. Right, yeah. I think most other things might have a higher startup cost than simply feeding yourself better and exercising. But yeah. whatever you can do now to grow, even if it's not as quickly as you want, because the quick growth is more of the like privilege thing, because once you're in a good position, you can grow quickly. Yeah. The person who's already on top the rich people, they always find a way to make more money way faster than the poor people because they have an advantage. They have force multipliers. But the poor people can still grow. Mm -hmm. They just, they grow slower and they need to focus on how fast they can grow, not how fast somebody else can.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the beautiful thing is like, everyone has a frame of reference that is defined by their previous experiences. So... You know, my frame of reference is different than Jeff Bezos' frame of reference. And it's different from somebody who lives in a different country, you know, or somebody who came from poverty. Like everyone's got a different frame of reference. So like, if you can just focus on your own frame of reference and your own circumstances and bettering those, I think you'll be happy. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough with the internet. Like it's easy to see, like everyone wears their own frame of reference on their sleeves and, and projects their own successes. And it can be discouraging, to see other people accelerating past you or accelerating so fast. And you're just like, I can never get there. But that doesn't matter. Well,
1: we've, we've talked about this in the uh, the why you aren't successful yet episode. Mm-hmm. Because when you're successful, you can become more successful. Every time you roll the dice, you're more likely to win yeah. when you've already won once. You get to roll more pairs of dice. So so the, like that graph, you get better and better at winning. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like exponential.
0: yeah. I guess like the the main crux of what I want to share here is, if I use a specific example of something to drive a point home, that specific example should not make or break the philosophy behind it. You know, yeah. If if I'm like, oh, I can take a week off of work to buckle down and fix my processes or hire somebody new, you know, there's there are billions of people in this world who would say I can't do that. If yeah. I take a week off of work, I starve. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like that is a position of privilege. But that as, you know, if it, if that is an example that doesn't apply to you, it doesn't mean the philosophy of, you know, figuring out what you can do to improve your own processes. That doesn't make that philosophy invalid. Yeah. You know, figuring out how to make investments into your own acceleration in any dimension of your life. That's still solid philosophy that anyone should keep in mind, you know? And I think it's it's responsible of us to try to think of examples that aren't so, so far out of the capability of the people listening to us.
1: Oh yeah, well, like, I definitely didn't grow up with a lot of money, so. Yeah,
0: that was a complaint that I've heard people make about David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. Oh yeah. Like he'll make examples that are things like a business executive would do. And so the average layperson reading his book just can't relate. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I haven't read the book, but I'm, so I'm just gonna make things up. But like, you take a corporate retreat with your executive friends to come up with a more synergistic strategy for communication. <laughs> Most people can't do that. Yeah, it's not super relatable. <laughs> we not can't fly relatable. to Aspen for the weekend. Well, and, for
1: relatableness, you know. I definitely grew up poor. And through slow and small investments that took a long time, yeah, I am in a better position. Mm-hmm. now. And uh, you know, it doesn't mean I can get whatever I want next week if I just work really hard tonight, but it means that there are paths forward. Even yeah. if it's just, how can I make my situation slightly happier until I can change it more materially?
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you actually, cause you're
1: still in debt. I am still like, in debt. I did how... just lose seven grand to my finger.
0: Yep. So, I mean, how does that affect you? And like, what do you do to deal with it? How, what is your personal strategy for paying it off? Well, because you know, I've been out of debt for six years, it's kind of hard for me to to go back and like put myself in that mindset exactly.
1: I would say that uh, for most of most of the recent time here, I've been just focused on investing in myself i I find the debt overwhelming if I think about it too much which, okay. you know i have o c d sometimes I think about things too much right, so it can be pretty overwhelming, but I try to focus on. The smaller things that I can control more so because I'm not likely to just pay it all off next week. Yeah. So if I set up a plan, you know, I set up some sort of little plan, a graph, a spreadsheet that's like, here's when I can pay it off as long as I do these things, mm-hmm. then I start to feel better about it. And then I accept the speed that I can go reasonably. And of course, I try to go faster. I'll try to yeah. increase that speed. But if I start from the expectation of a reasonable speed, then I won't feel discouraged when I can't meet a faster one. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why I like the snowballing method, because for me, the mental health aspect of feeling crushed by by debt and lack of uh, freedom in that regard, especially because I didn't grow up with a lot of money, you know, I don't want to ever end up in a situation like that again. Yeah. So therefore, debt is scarier. What if I couldn't pay it all off? Then I have to be poor again, not awesome. So... I try to focus on a reasonable goal that I can achieve because and, and snowballing because the the overwhelming feeling of debt is far worse for me than the interest will ever be. Yeah. So like that's that's how I choose to focus on it. And you know, I, I do try to cut back a little I budget a little bit. I've actually loosened that up. Okay. A little bit recently. So now I'm just tracking the variable expenses and rounding them and kind of keeping an overall average of what I spend each day. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm just focusing on what's the most reasonable path toward growth. Do that at minimum. Okay. And then with the extra, try to grow more.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, And how have you reacted to setbacks?
1: Well, I did just lose the 7,000 when I broke my finger and I did not react well for a while. I'm not gonna. you know, sometimes the answer isn't that I magically felt great about it. I was pretty annoyed. That I broke my finger and lost $7,000 worth of medical expenses. But it's again, sometimes it's the other things I need to focus on. So now I can play piano again. This Mm -hmm. finger still functions well enough to play piano. I could have lost it forever. So if I focus on the small things and still grow at the speed that I can grow while saying, okay, okay, yes, that's a little annoying. The seven grand is annoying. I get it. Don't look at that. Look at this while you're working on the seven grand. Don't worry about it. You got a plan. Look at the piano. Look at the other things that keep Mm. you happy. Because if you fall into depression, you're not making any money. You're going to stop working well at all if you fall into a depression, and that's the thing to avoid.
0: So it's almost like the thing we talked about at the beginning of this episode where you have to shove the song stuck in your head out with another song. Yeah, You can't just say – stop fixating well, on the problem. You have to find something healthier no, to you focus can't, on.
1: I mean, try to ignore anything. You know, like yeah. all the examples that are just like, hey, don't think of a pink elephant. And you immediately pick, you can't ignore stuff. That's, that's not that easy to do. So if you can't change it, you got to find something else to focus on. Mm. And your brain hates open loop things, things that aren't done. Yeah. So for me, the debt is not done. The way to make it feel done is to set up the plan and say, see, I've solved it. Now we can push it to the side and think about other stuff.
0: I'm just a robot now, I'm operating on this. Yeah, I
1: I ignore that, I do the plan. It's essentially solved in my mind, Mm -hmm. so we need to think about other things now. But if I don't set up the plan, then I'm gonna keep thinking, like in the middle I'm playing piano or games, and I'm gonna be like, wait a second, how am I gonna pay that off? Obviously that's not good.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's useful, like sitting down, make a plan just for mental closure. Yeah, make the plan,
1: yeah, for mental closure, and then say, this is the plan. I will do what I can to overperform, but overperforming is not the plan. So if I can't overperform, we're just we're following this plan and I'm doing what I can over here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's that's useful, I think. Well, yeah, I think we kind of covered it. Yeah. So,
1: alternatively buy all the lottery tickets, all of
0: them. Actually, there you can't a go wrong in uh, I think it was in Ireland and this was a long time ago, maybe back in the 70s, where it was discovered that the amount of money available in the jackpot was like, it was greater than the number of dollars it would have taken to buy oh, all yeah. the lottery tickets. <laughs> so I think it was like the Irish mob. They went and just bought all the lottery well, tickets. I as like many this as they because could. it's
1: like the Irish mob has like a mathematician who's like, guys, I just discovered something.
0: <laughs> like there's a legal way we can make money. So just went and bought as many lottery tickets as possible, almost guaranteeing that they would win. And then they just ended up making a, a some amount of profit.
1: <laughs> you got to love mob mathematicians.
0: Yep. They're my favorite kind of people. Exactly. Well, that's what you could go be then. Go yep. Be, I don't want to be a mob mathematician. Sounds like another way to have the mob's attention fixated on. Them. No,
1: it's gonna be like a like a movie where you're like the nerdy guy who doesn't really get all the crime stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you're like you
1: you're you're just like you, you guys want you guys want to play D D later, and they're like, actually, we got
0: a we gotta thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got a thing. thing to go do. Got to go make a made man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next Thursday. <laughs> yeah, but next Thursday, I'm sure that's a good movie. I'll watch it. <laughs> I get to be a night elf Mohawk this time. <laughs> oh man, I remember that commercial. All right. Uh, to recap stack versus snowball, pick the method that works right for you, look into consolidation. And I did want to add, um, the caveat that you need to compare the forgiveness options of the consolidation with the forgiveness options you have now. This is especially important for federal loans, which often have many options for forgiveness, deferment, pausing, whatever. If you go consolidate that debt with a company that's like, no, you got to pay it. Otherwise, because yeah, the, the government you know, loans are pretty friendly there. Yeah. You know, and hopefully they stay that way. Um, but not every consolidation company, you know, if you're doing a consolidation, you're changing it from federal debt to private debt, you know, and there's a reason that I told people to try to avoid private student loans as much as possible. It's because number one, people are usually taking them on top of federal loans and they're increasing their overall balance. And that's a huge increase the monthly, uh, balance they're going to have when they graduate, but also they're taking on private debt and private debt plus student loan debt, at least in this country, bad combination because you can't bankrupt it. And if it's private, you don't have those forgiveness options. Yeah. So they're there to make a profit. Also typically cannot bankrupt debt that has been used to pay off unbankruptible debt. Like I remember uh, on a podcast, once I heard somebody say, well, here's a life hack you just go and uh, take out a loan from the bank, and then you pay off your student loan debt with that, and then you bankrupt that debt. Yeah, it turns out that if you don't get arrested for fraud by doing that, the court is at least going to say, well, you basically tried to like sneakily get rid of your, your unforgivable debt, so the new debt is now also unforgivable. Have fun.
1: Yeah, just um, take note that the bankers <laughs> and the IRS... Have already thought about the numbers more than you will.
0: They have thought about how to make money. That is their job. You are very (laughs) unlikely to outfox them. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to fox you. All right. Uh, Show notes for this episode are going to be at cigpodcast.com slash 238. And you're going to find links to um, our listen money matters episode on how to pay off debt as quickly as possible, which could be a good compliment to this one as well as our budgeting and investing episodes. I think those will be good additional follow-ups to this one. We also have my budgeting post. There's gonna be cool things in the show notes, so check those out. And if you're on YouTube or Facebook Watch, you'll find the description link down below the video or wherever it is. You can click that instead of having to type that URL into your browser. Either way, go check out the new site. Hopefully you enjoy the improved speed UI Definitely send us your feedback on the site if there are bugs that we. I'm sure there's something. somehow.
1: That's the life of a coder. There's exactly. something broken on this site right now, and I
0: don't know what it is. Something's broken, but something sure. is. Yeah, and I'll have tweaks, and we'll all have tweaks. So yeah, let us know your thoughts. Um, as always, if you have questions for us, you can you can tweet us. I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter. I'm also Tom Frankly on Instagram. If you want to DM, and then you are Yo And I did notice that you just broke 2,000 followers on Instagram. I did. So congratulations. Why, thank you. Uh, yeah, go follow this guy and you can also send him questions. Either way, the questions usually filter over to you because- Yeah. I don't know. You're kind of like the captain of the ship on this podcast at this point. I've always wanted to be a captain. Yeah. Well, I we got to get you a captain's hat. I just sort of show up and talk
1: a lot more than I should. If I find a captain's hat, I'll put it on <laughs> for the episode <laughs> that I found one for. Yeah. I'll work on it.
0: Anyway, if you enjoy this show and you have not done so already, you may want to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Spotify. We're on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's true. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, hit this notification bell. Please, my emotional health is tied to these external metrics. I will be depressed. Do you want him to be sad? I'm going to be so sad. Just I kidding. I don't want to deal with that. Just That's subscribe. You will have to deal with it. Uh, but one way you can make us happy if you really want to support this show is share it with a friend. Maybe send them your favorite episode. Get them hooked on it as well. And if you are an Apple Podcasts listener, there is a directory of ratings and reviews in the uh, Apple Podcasts store. And if you want to give us a rating and review, that is always hugely Appreciated. But regardless of what you decide to do, thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you for listening and subscribing if you've done that. And we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.